So usually how I like to, to start these conversations, man, is just, it's just about an individual's journey and, and the roadmap to get to where they are now. And, and usually when I talk to people, they're sort of like in their prime, right? You're, you're sort of like, you know, people are like LeBron in, in 2000 in 2010, let's say, right? Like it just peak of their powers that they've converged all their skill sets and they're finally at a place where they could sort of give back, right? And give back knowledge wise is a big deal to me. And I appreciate everybody who takes the time to do so, you know, so let's start as far back as you want. We kind of, we kind of fumbled around between that 14 and, and 18 age when you door to door sales. So, so let's start there and, and then we'll, we'll get more of the journey. From the time that you're like, you know, zero up to like 14, 13, you're just kind of figuring it out. You know, mm-hmm. you're not really self-aware just yet. And I think it, it really kicked in for me at a young age that I just fell in love with communication, mm-hmm. um, mostly out of the necessity to be able to speak because uh, English is my second language. I was born in Cuba. And so wow. when I came to the U.S., I, I spoke no English. And wow. so the necessity to, to say I'm hungry or I need to go to the bathroom, you know, like the most basic mm. things. It wasn't part of my vocabulary. So I struggled with that. And I think that's when I fell in love with communication. I thought, man, if I can, if I can give something voice, then it'll be considered. Right. Now, depending on how persuasive I am will depend on whether it happens or not. <laughs> so I think it was like 2000, gosh, 2004 or so I got into five. I got into door-to-door sales. I was a, a kid. 14 years old, knocking on doors, you know, selling newspaper. And uh, there I learned one of the best uh, skill sets I could ever learn, really. It's, it's sales. And I think when you go to design school, for example, I'm a designer by trade. When you go to design school, I think design kind of loses its biz- business sensitivity because you're mm-hmm. partnered with, uh, with art, right? With yep. art programs and sculpture. And so having that, that background in sales really did help because I spent like five years knocking on doors, really. Wow. Literally. Huh? So, yeah, five years. Uh, and then in the, in the midst of all that, I was also doing speech and debate in my, uh, in my high school. Okay. And this is where I was, I was really passionate about this, right? Trying to be able to communicate complex ideas or present an argument that's holistic, that makes mm-hmm. sense. And people can like nod their head and, and understand with evidence, right? Right. The keyword there is evidence. But anyway, what, what ended up happening is I spent quite a bit of time, you know, knocking on doors, doing the speech and debate thing. And then at some point, uh, and this was my first taste, right? Because as, as a founder or as anyone who's interested in a certain topic, you, um, you begin to recognize patterns. Mm-hmm. And this was the first time that I recognized the pattern. I thought if, you know, if you love something and you, you just do it out of the love for it, then eventually you'll get good at it and then turn, turns into great and so on and so forth. So as a result of doing door-to-door sales and speech and debate, I ended up getting um, a full-ride scholarship to the number one speech and debate team in the nation. Now wow. think about this, right? Unbelievable. Think about this. An, eight, an eight-year-old kid comes from Cuba, no <laughs> English at all, and then gets, <laughs> I'm like, okay, this is great. You're, this is America, right? This is America dream, right? Like a little bit, you know, I mean, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, exactly. And to me, that was the first time I was able to recognize the pattern that if you love something and you're able to pour yourself into it and really make the sacrifices necessary, there's literally no limit. I mean, if I could do that, then anyone can do anything, right. you right. know? So in, in college, this is where I started to really reach that moment where I was self-actualizing and, and really making sense of who I wanted to create for myself, you know, mm-hmm. my persona. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was Dame Dash. I, I listened to an interview with Dame Dash. She says, um, 
you have to art detect your life. And he, he, he said architect, but he, he pronounced it incorrectly to art detect. Uh -huh. And I thought to myself, well, art creates questions. And so if you're art detecting, what you're doing is you're answering the questions for yourself before you make it happen. And so that's basically what I started doing. It was art detecting the questions that I needed to answer to get to that next stage. While I was doing speech and debate, I realized, well, if I can, if I can tell someone something, they'll listen. But if I can show them, then mm. they'll believe me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I thought, maybe I should look into graphic design or some sort of design, right? Right. And so I, I married the two together and uh, I ended up graduating with a BFA in design. And after that, I was like, okay, I'm ready. This is, this is go time. It's time to shine. And yeah. then I got smacked in the face by reality. <laughs> <laughs> I got smacked in the face. You know, there's this misconception. You graduate from college um, and the, the whole sense of like, oh, first generation, you go to college and you graduate. Everything just into falls into place world. and it happens for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's not the case. No, That's like... not the case at all. <laughs> so so I'm unpacking some of these pain points too you know because it's I don't want to sit here and only talk about the successes there's yeah, a lot sure. of pain and and doubt went into this process and so one of the biggest things I had to come to terms with is maybe the the market isn't wrong maybe maybe I'm just not good enough yet right and so I started I started reading books like you know Carol Dweck Mindset she talks a lot about fixed versus growth mindset. And this is where I started thinking, well, if I can employ the idea of you're not good enough yet, then you'll for sure be moving in the next direction and, mm -hmm. and not kind of be so stuck in this defeated mindset. And so there's been a couple of times in my life where that's happened, where I, I thought that something would play out a certain way and it just didn't. Mm -hmm. And those are the times that, you know, I, I had to take a step back and, and really accept it and take a, a real real catalog of what's happening instead of just being upset that it's, you know, not working out. So that was, that was one of the times 2013, I graduated from, uh, from school and then moved, you know, out to California in the Bay area. And I heard about this thing called coding <laughs> and how you can, you can create applications and there's coding boot camps that kind of help you speed up the, the yeah. process. And I was like, oh, well, shoot, if I can create a business card and give it to someone, that's a one-to-one -one transaction. If I can make a poster, that's like one to a hundred transaction mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. of the people that walk by it. But I heard that if you create an app or if you create a website that lives in a digital form, you can touch the lives of millions and billions of people. That's when things got interesting. Mm -hmm. So I started to teach myself how to code. I spent about three months and then spent just about every dollar I could afford on a, on a coding bootcamp at General Assembly. Wow. What language was it? It was all front-end development with some okay. back-end, but mostly front-end. So yep. it, it, I wouldn't call it programming. It's okay. uh, HTML, CSS, and yep. JavaScript. You know those? Those are the foundations of everything else, right? That's like learning English and technology, really. You know, HTML, CSS is just foundations of, and JavaScript. I mean, it's the foundations of basically like everything that's built. Yeah, that's a fair point. You're right. And, and it did give me that foundational layer to at least communicate to an engineer what mm -hmm. needed to be done. Right. I think, uh, so you, your recent interview with Joe, Webflow Joe, he talks a lot about, you don't always need to be the person that's doing the hand coding yourself into production, but right. at least understand, understand JavaScript, you, you know, understand what is possible. So that way you can communicate it. And, you know, if you think about it back in the day, like way, way before you even had the internet, when it was like, basic scripture written in stone 
Mm -hmm. um, the people that could read and write were the ones that can communicate truth. Yep. And so, you know, that can also be, you know, you can flip that coin and say you can communicate, you know, lies, but that power to be able to control it, I, I have a pretty good moral compass. I wanted to create good in the world. I wanted to create software that made an impact. So I wanted to understand it enough to communicate it and perhaps even do it myself, right? When you, when you got out of the General Assembly boot camp, what was sort of the next steps there? Was did any opportunities come from that after that came or, or were you still sort of, now you just have a much more plush resume and you're still trying to go hustle and get, and get jobs? Yeah, good question. So when I got out of General Assembly, I was still working at a, at a pretty entry level design job, like graphic design, because mm -hmm. that's what I studied, graphic sure. design mm -hmm. uh, and, and packaging design, you know, like boxes and things of that nature for products. And, uh, I, I consider myself a recovering graphic designer to this day because <laughs> I still love <laughs> I still love the art of graphic design. That part that part will probably never leave me, but I, I have vivid memories of, you know, Jim Rohn talks about this. He says, um, don't be an overworked underachiever. Mm. And that's those are the memories that I was having. It was, you know, I um I just wasn't really happy. So General Assembly, what it did was it gave me the power to once level up, but then I ended up getting some offers to go to a startup. And this is when I uh, joined my first startup, uh, Hacker Rank. Shout out to Hacker Rank. Such a great company, amazing people. In fact, I met so many great people at Hacker Rank that I ended up starting three businesses with people at Hacker Rank. And I love I it. Still keep in contact with Day. I love it. No, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, that yeah. It's, it's, and that's one thing about, you know, I think the, the community of whether it's design and specifically in development and sort of entrepreneurship, it really is sort of just like a community of givers, right? Whether it's time, whether it's, you know, just knowledge, whether it's sometimes it could be actual work. I've just, uh, it, it's such a refreshing environment and ecosystem to be in because everybody just wants to solve problems, man. Whether it's, you know, in, in the physical world or the digital world, I think problem solving brings people together in a weird way, right? It's sort of this competition that breeds, uh, it breeds togetherness, right? It, it sort of just breeds outcomes that are much different than other co competitive scenarios. Um, so that's great, man. That's so, that's so awesome to hear that, that those bonds, when you build a business with somebody, you never forget, you're right. That, that's, that's a bond that that's for life. You know, that's like, that's like, living with somebody for for a year you never forget your roommates <laughs> yeah that's right that's right and the funny thing about it is the people that you choose to start businesses with whether it falls off and you don't end up succeeding or not yeah i think building a business with someone like you said it's it's yes we can call it intimate it's an intimate experience for sure because you're working towards creating something that doesn't doesn't exist yet which is crazy if you think about it you have to align mentally and then mm. like somehow through space and time do enough effort to make this thing work like what it's crazy when you started sort of getting into the startup scene right which is hectic in its own right right and, and so what was your position right there and like what were you working on day to day what were the tools you were using? You know, we'll, we'll call it back then, even though it's, it's not that, that old. Yeah. Right. But like, what were some, what were some of the day-to-day -day stuff, what were you working on and what were the, the tools you were using? Yeah, for sure. It wasn't that long ago. You're right. So when I, uh, when I worked at startups, so I worked at three startups that did not belong to me. Um, mm -hmm. These were as early, early employee. 
two of the startups were like, I was the fourth, fifth employee. And the other one, I think I was like 15 or 16. So mm-hmm. very, very young. Yeah. Um, hacker, hacker rank was a little bit larger, but the capacity that I contributed to these, um, to these companies was mostly on the UI UX side. So I was mm-hmm. a product designer, digital product designer. So that entails going back to the, the previous statement around problem solving and speech and debate. A lot of, you know, product design is constructing arguments. You're defending a design solution with meaning because that's, that's the biggest difference with um, a, an artist and a designer. A designer is creating solutions to a known problem that's mm-hmm. validated through data, you know? And I used to say this early on uh, in interviews that I would do. It's, you know, design in the absence of data is not design and it's art. And so that's, hmm. that's really what, yeah, that's really what the roles were. It was really doing, you know, research, doing very agile way, creating several solutions to solve feature um, or even people problems, right? Mm. It starts with the people problem. And then, yeah, does, I would say UX UI design is still something that is kind of uh, misunderstood. I think there's, there's a lot of definitions, but people are still talking about what is the difference between UI and UX for some mm-hmm. reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the biggest thing that I took from those roles is one, be able to think about the UX, the experience, because when you work on, on projects that don't focus on the UX, you tend to hear requirements. I need three screens. I need a homepage or I need, you know, the app to do this. Instead, mm-hmm. we shouldn't even think about that yet. We need to create systems, right? Mm, the the systems point. that need to, yeah, I mean, it, it's a, it's an interesting point to make because when you, even when you go into these startups, it's preached that they do practice that, but not all startups practice that, you know, <laughs> not all. I mean, there's a lot to say about startups that do practice design thinking and, you know, proper UX. But from my experience, a lot of startups just want to crank out a bunch of, you know, it's this, um, this notion that you have to uh, move fast and break things. That whole Facebook thing only works if you're not trying to build something of value. Um, Because, you know, if you want to make something of value, you have to almost take your time with it a little bit. You can't just spit out a bunch of random stuff out there. What what were some of the Speaking of processes and, and applications and, and tools that we use, what were some of those that you were using? Was it just Adobe products? Was it Sketch? I don't think it, probably Adobe XD probably didn't exist yet, maybe, in its, its form that it is now. But what, what were some of the tools that you were using for UI UX and for front-end stuff? Yeah, so um, as far as UI UX, I was 100% on board with Sketch. This was when Sketch was at yeah. its prime. Mm-hmm. Uh, widely adopted by everyone before Figma made a yep. dent before Adobe XD. I would I would also code everything from scratch since I took that that bootcamp at General Assembly. Wow! But most mostly I would do um, Twitter Bootstrap as a, a starting foundation. Yep. And then and then build on top of that, leverage other um, libraries. jQuery yep. was you yep. know another super popular one. But yes, as far as prototyping, I was uh, very heavy into principle principal app i still use it to this day for micro animations Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. speaking of of sort of processes and now we're kind of in the world of of automation a little bit right and sort of all these processes being built by other platforms and zapier has sort of taken the world by storm a little bit and, and connecting all these products together to kind of create you know automated workflows that sort of never existed before and now it 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 can make your 
life so much easier and sometimes in some cases it might make it more difficult because you still have to set up all the the plugins and, and all the automations and things like that um but what are some yeah. of the new stuff that that you've taken a liking to right and really i mean obviously we want to talk about webflow because i think that is i think we both agree that it's, it's one of the best platforms that have come out in probably the last decade or so um it could really change change a lot of the the game for for uh web developers but what are some of the other tools out there that you've really taken a liking to and has do you, do you put anything up there with webflow that you like like that that maybe might do some other things yes yeah, so I, I first got a breath of integrations and automations in like 2017 when i first joined google i met this guy he's brilliant and we would have lunch often he would he was um an engineer basically an ai mm-hmm, engineer mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he would walk me through all of these automations that he's built for himself and some of these are I can't really talk about them as I'm under NDA, but sure. some of these are just like crazy automations. And I'm like, man, if, if only this was accessible to the average, you know, consumer, but right. more so in a, in a way that's not so complex, you know, before the command line uh, or after the command line and we created like a graphical user interface, like people mm-hmm. had to code into <laughs> the command line <laughs> to access things. So I wanted, I wanted that, but for the average person. And that leads to my next point, which is you, you find, you know, tools that come out like voice flow, for example, where mm, it's like, yeah. it's like web, web flow for, you know, voice control, um, like making Alexa apps and things of yep. that nature. You have Zapier that ties together the glue parabola that ties, you know, the internet together, um, like glue, basically, it's very similar to, to Zapier. And these tools tap into so many different apps. Um, they tap into apps that exist on your on your desktop. They mm-hmm. attach to apps that exist on the browser. Yeah. And so yeah, it's, it's super super fascinating. I I adopt a lot of these, or at least I give them a chance, and I stick yeah. with what what I love. Right now, my uh, my tech stack in terms of automations is very very much on um, Zapier. Mm-hmm. And it's true what they say. Uh, Zapier does make you happier. <laughs> <laughs> what are what are you? What are, can you share? What are some of your 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 zaps right now that that you love and can't live without? Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm I'm giving away my cookies at this point, but you know I am I want to give away as as much as I can, and I think these secrets shouldn't be kept. And actually, I think a lot of people are already doing this. Yeah. Um, and if they're not, that they should. When I first started the agency. About a year ago, when I went full time, I was focused on you know doing the best work possible. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that doing the best work possible is only going to get you so far. You have to create automations or even systems in place yeah. that take you away from from the day to day. Right. One example of this is I realized that I was spending a lot of time responding to folks saying, "Hey, I'm free at this time. I'm free at that time. When are you free?" And I actually did the math, and I was spending about 25 to 30 hours a month, okay, doing this back and forth. And then I, I, you know, I employed Calendly that solved that. Yep. What, what's the next, what's the next thing that, that I can automate is what I ask myself, or at least smooth out the edges. If you, if, if you follow my drift. Sure. And that's when I, when Zapier came into place and I realized, well, when people book me and they want to collaborate with me or even chat with me about solving their problems, from a business perspective, there has to be some type of funnel that they go through, at least some type of system that I can manage. And so yep. the system that I have now is whenever someone goes on, on my site and then submits the portfolio form or submits the form, yep. 
Zapier takes that information, automatically creates a card in Trello. Mm -hmm. So I have, I built out my own CRM in Trello. You know, it's backlog, uh, pipeline, in progress, outsourced, yep. in mm -hmm. review, and then completed. And so their information automatically gets submit there. And then through, you know, through very basic Zapier um, checkboxes that they have, I create a checklist that tells me what stage of the process the lead is in. So if I've reached out, if I've sent a proposal and if it's ready for work, in addition to that, the lead will automatically get an email. And since in my Webflow form, I have a name, right? It basically yep. takes the first name and then makes that email, um, I guess, more personal by taking, instead of saying, hey, thanks for reaching out, yep. it says, hey, you know, Grant, thanks for yep. reaching out with some basic info about myself. And then the, if they add a phone number, I, I've also used Twilio to text them like a personal message. So then it's, um, there's quite a bit of automation involved. Wow. I love that. I want to talk about Webflow a little bit because <laughs> yeah, uh, it. it's, uh, I guess in 2017, you know, it's come obviously a long way, you know, since then, yeah. you know, 2017, 2018. Why, like, was it easy for you to transition everything to Webflow? You know, especially with, when speaking with clients or clients that were, you know, might be on other platforms, right? They're like, well, look, I don't want to change, right? Or, or did you, were you adamant about maybe moving them over or adamant about saying, hey, this is the platform we're going to use to build your product? Do, do, do clients care what stuff is built on? Or they're just like, whatever you want, that's going to be the best sort of outcome? Man, that's, that's such a good question. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. I'll lead with this. I've never had any client say, I'll buy 10 more because you're using Webflow. <laughs> I've also never had a client say, I'll buy 10 more because you're using Shopify right. or, you know, any, any tool. And so the, the point that I'm trying to make here is that I'm, I'm pretty much tool agnostic. I, mm -hmm. I don't care about the tool so much. With that being said, though, because I come from a UX background, I have to say that Webflow is the first no-code platform that got UX correct. I, I, I totally think that's the difference. That's why it makes it so, so great, honestly. And you, you, can't, you can't knock them for that. Like They've exceeded expectations times one million mm -hmm. because now it's no longer a question of, hey, can we do it? Or hey, can, can we use a template, right, that, that has the, the layout for us to put our content in? Now, the advantage that businesses have, or even people like you and I have, is that you can come up with an idea and sit down, put it down on paper, put it down on a design, and then build it out in Webflow one-to-one. -one. I'm, I'm not talking about like, you know, oh, we shouldn't do it this way because it's not possible. You can literally build just about 90% of what you would through 95% maybe what you would through custom code. And if yep. you can't do it in Webflow, just write the custom part. Yep. Crazy. It's crazy. And the fact is, and your, your question is, the fact is no one talks to me about WordPress or they, they come, maybe they have the assumption that this guy only works with Webflow, but I have not had one person ask me Interesting. that. Interesting. You yeah. mentioned, you mentioned, uh, it, but, but see, that kind of goes back to the point made earlier when, when, you know, Joe spoke about previous, previous episode, you spoke about previous episode. I, I'm kind of shocked because you, sh I think as a, either a business owner or a project manager, I think you should know what your stack is, 
right? Like, it's kind of shocking that people, not that they don't care or don't know, but like, to me, that would help your business so much more if you understood the tech stack that your company is using, right? Like, I think that is almost, I mean, that's like basic things, I think, for entrepreneurs coming up, right? It might be different because look, if you're, you know, above a certain age or something, it's just ingrained in your mind. It's just never been something for you. But like, if you're young in your 20s or something like that, I could not fathom like, like a 25 year old, you know, entrepreneur not knowing, you know, what their text, like what their email marketing service are using, right? Or what platform, web platform they're using to run their company. It just seems just crazy to think that. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, you're, you're right. I think, I, can, I guess I can only speak for myself here. Yeah. The, the one reason why I stuck with Webflow is, um, I, I guess over the years, I've developed a bit of a palette for what rings in my ear and if something rings in my ear and I test it out and, and then it rings louder, I, I don't question it. You know, I'm not the, I'm, I'm not the type of person that will question blessings. Okay. Once I realize it, I'm, <laughs> I'm all in. <laughs> you, uh, you yeah. had mentioned, you mentioned, uh, Shopify e-commerce yeah. is obviously, uh, you know, it, it's obviously on top of mind right now for, for everybody and, Webflow is sort of dabbling into it, right? I think they're in the, obviously the early, early stages of, of their e-commerce engine. Do you see, do you see Webflow being a significant, possibly competitor to, to Shopify going forward? Or do you think it'll be a very small part of their, their platform and their business just because Shopify is just so, you know, sort of ahead of them and, and they're sort of the Netflix of, uh, <laughs> of e-commerce platforms. Uh, but do you see Webflow like really, really making a play into making their e-commerce you know, universally accepted? I do. I do okay. think so. I do have friends that exclusively use Shopify. I've used yeah. Shopify in the past and, you know, I give credit where credit is due. Um, Webflow is new to, to the, uh, you know, the e-commerce space as far as like the feature sets that they provide. Are they robust? Absolutely. Can you build a store? Absolutely. But Shopify is, you know, it's, it's made its mark and it has certain functionality mm-hmm. backboard or uh, backend dashboards. Uh, and the functionality that they app store, offer, that's just... App Store is huge. Yeah, you can't even, like you said, it's like the Netflix, right? When you look at tools now, how how much has like your tech stack changed, right? From let's, let's say even five years ago, right? Like has, because I don't think Trello's even five years old yet, right? Or maybe, maybe very close. But what has, has your tech stack changed over the last, let's say like five years of, of sort of, like, Z- like like Zapier didn't exist really five years ago, right? So as these new stuff come out, is it hard for you to like switch? And because to me, it's very difficult to like switch to a new product. Like to me, Webflow is really hard to be like, you know, totally rip the bandaid off and say like, this is just what I'm going to do. Like there's just nothing else, right? Like it's very hard to like change it. Like I've been wanting to get off MailChimp for so long, but it's like yeah. so aggravated. It's like, that's a big lift, man. Like that's a big deal. And sometimes it's just exhausting. It's like, you know what? It, it, it's good enough. Like it does what it does and that's it. Like all these other shiny yeah. email marketing services or, you know, it is what it is, but I guess I'm just stick here because it's too overwhelming to change platforms. Do you, do you ever come across that? Like just running your company, it's like, man, I want to change, but it's just right now, it's too much of a headache to, to do so. Yeah. Um, those questions definitely come to mind, especially now that, I'm, I'm responsible for kind of my own well-being and I have to fend for myself since I started up this, this business. It really comes down to opportunity cost. 
what is what is what is the cost of doing it wrong versus what is the cost of going to figure out a better solution and to me like i've i've tried a little bit of editor x for example um it's the new wix uh it's it's comparable to webflow and it has a lot of potential and so that's that's really what i focus on you know to to answer your question is what's the potentiality of this improving what mm -hmm. i'm doing because another thing is, you know, I, don't, I never want to be that person that is just stuck to what I'm doing because that's how it's always been. Although uh, if something is working, I also don't want to want to break it. So there's there's this like weird balance between testing, iterating on different tools, practicing, like, for example, bubble bubble.is I've been mm -hmm. playing with that uh, bubble.is for like building applications. It's mm -hmm. like a it's like a cockpit, right? Yeah. And I, I, I've learned that, yeah, I can fall in love with this tool. Um, but the opportunity cost of, you know, spending that time might not be there because I have other responsibilities, right? Yeah. But I will say this, though, man, um, going back to the, the other point I made, which is I'm not one to question blessings, is I'll tap into certain things. And if it vibes well with me, again, I, I think I developed a palette for this. Uh, if it vibes well and I see opportunity, then I'll, I'll go all in, you know, and so far it's been working out. Like I recently into, are you familiar with Adalo? I may have told you this. Yeah, yeah, Adalo. yeah, build, a, build an app. So it's like a, almost like a, a quick app sort of builder, correct? Yeah, it's for, they, they mostly do native applications really mm -hmm. well, like iOS and Android. But I, I found out about them because I met Ron, one of the founders at the No Code Conference. He's a venture capital guy in LA. He owns this, this uh, company called Rainfall. Rainfall invested in uh, Webflow. And mm. so, you know, you almost have to be prudent enough. Yeah, you almost have to be prudent enough to be like, okay, these people of power are in communication with one another and they have big ideas. Let's, let's figure out what has legs here, you know, um, mm -hmm. and what doesn't. And so I, I found out that Rainfall invested was early on and so i was like oh man like there has to be some symmetry and logic here you know they mm -hmm. wouldn't invest in webflow and then not in 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 Adalo if they didn't see similarities and if right. Webflow's picking up so these are the types of like i just have internal dialogue and then i question things i test it out and now uh, I, I guess i've been using Adalo for a while now it's been it hasn't been a year yet but I ended up becoming an Adalo expert and now it's, I get leads from Adalo the same way that I get leads from being a Webflow expert. And so these, these types of things happen organically out of just the love of learning and, and wanting to build. But yeah, I, you know, to answer your point, I think the tools continue to evolve and as you continue to evolve and level up, it's inevitable to be like, Oh, what can I do if I learn how to build native apps you know <laughs> right, and just follow right. that train of thought see how far it takes you yeah. <laughs> we were we were talking uh before we before we started recording a little bit about um was it your cousin or your nephew that that came by and you were yeah oh your brother yeah, brother yeah so so your your brother you're kind of the you know teaching him, him the ropes a little bit but yeah. like for for you know he you said he was like 19 and, and for maybe individuals graduating you know, high school, right? And, and sort of colleges, you know, maybe unattainable for people or just not, not as appealing, right? For, for, for some people. And I, you know, many, many people, I think, 
what would what direction would you would you tell them to go? Do you do you talk to him about coding boot camps? You know, I mean, your time at General Assembly seemed to be positive, and now there's you know hundreds of boot camps out there that that he could go to. Is is a path maybe different for him? You would say to go down um, rather than maybe a traditional sort of you know route. I mean, if you do you know a couple if you do like two years of boot camps, right? Maybe you do four boot camps in two years, and you then you have a you're a full stack sort of you know, developer, designer, maybe even take a sales boot camp that are coming out now, which, which are seem to be a really, really interesting uh, sector as well. You know, in, in two years, man, you, you can come out a pretty talented dude, you know, or, or a sister, like you could be a, a really talented human in the, in the workforce and, and you could start your business at 20, right? 21. W- would you recommend that path for, for him? I mean, we could take your brother for example, but what's the conversations like with him about, about stuff like this? Yeah. That's a, that's a unique perspective because, you know, the, the traditional school model has always been, or at least growing up, maybe this is just me because I'm an immigrant. I was told, you know, you go to college, you go get a job, you know, that's the, that's the path to success. And if you're an immigrant, you don't go to college, your parents will look at you like, wow, you know, what are you doing? (laughs) You know, that's, that's kind of, that's, that's the way that I was raised at least. And there is a lot of truth to be said about, not having to go that traditional route if you one have a passion you know a an obsession almost towards something already you know if like there's a lot that you can learn in college that you wouldn't be able to learn if you were out on your own you know sure. like yeah. general communication skills like these types of things and how to you know interpersonal communication skills you you learn by being in class doing work projects that type of thing and you also build a network which is really nice but if you want to, you, you can definitely fast track that now, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I have this discussion with, with Franklin, my brother, I, I tell him, Hey, Frankie, you know, here, here's, here's what I know to be true. You don't have to bump into all these roads. And this is from a recent experience, firsthand experience of someone who one went to college, went to college for five years. I got a BFA. So it's like a year later. Mm-hmm. Uh, longer. And then I also did a boot camp. So I, I've experienced both of them. And I tell them, hey, you know, you can literally, I told them this exactly what you said, you can literally spend one year to two years and become a beast. Mm-hmm. Um, beast. Because it doesn't matter where you get the information, just get the information. Mm-hmm. You and, know, and I think the the one thing that's interesting, too, is that it, it doesn't really matter where you start from, right? Because, you know, it, it might be different if you're going to be like, a portfolio managing finance, right? Probably need longer time period, right? It's like you need that that four years or or even maybe six years or like a doctor or a scientist. Exactly. You know, the, these role these roads are, are different. Those journeys are going to be different. Um, but if you say you want to be an entrepreneur, you want to own a media company or you want to own an agency or you there is specific things that you can knock out, right? Like immediately you can write a 12 month roadmap where you yeah. take you know, two boot camps or something like that. And within a year, I mean, you could be building significant products, right? Yeah. Depending on what boot camps you take. I mean, you can be building, you know, significant things that people can use, or, you know, you can build landing pages to, to, to get prospective leads or like, there's a real way, I guess that the, the starting point is not as crazy as like being a doctor, right? You know, yeah. that that's really, it's a difficult process, right? And most people just can't do it, or like even a lawyer. So I think the, the barrier to entry now mm-hmm. is so much more attainable for people, right? Especially like, like, like you said, like your background, like Frankie, he's starting 
ahead of you, right? Like he has an extra step that, that you didn't, that you had to go through that he didn't, you know? Yeah. So he's already ahead of you really. If he, if he starts, if he starts now trying to build his skill sets, I just think yeah. it's such an amazing time to build your skill set stack. And if you can do that right, and the possibilities are endless and it's just such a, an amazing time to, to be able to, to do it. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this because I agree with you 110%. I'll tell you this. Part of the reason why I went to college is because, well, when I got a scholarship, so who wouldn't take that? Of course. You know, it's free education. Yeah. Yeah. But if I had, if I had not had that scholarship, I was evaluating, you know, what is, what is the meaning behind it? Because back in the day, you know, it was social capital. Your son graduated from Harvard. Your son mm -hmm. graduated from, you know, mm -hmm. Academy mm -hmm. of Art, whatever it may mm -hmm. be. That comes with a lot of like, it's like a, you, you reach a certain tier, right? So entrepreneurship was not put on a pedestal. And Gary Vaynerchuk talks about this all the time. And now everyone's trying to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. um, there's definitely a balance though, because I don't want to overhype up the entrepreneur side because it is a lot, lot of effort and it comes with a lot of failure. Not everyone is made out for that. Yeah. The, one, the one thing that is true is uh, skill stacking. If you stack complementary skills and you reach a certain level where you become a subject matter expert, in a couple of different areas that are complementary to each other that someone who did not go through the growing pains of learning these three, three different skills. Like for example, for me, I can speak for myself. It was communication is one superpower, UX design, visual design, and then now Webflow development. Mm -hmm. So I can, I can communicate ideas, work through problems from a UX, design the visual design and then engineer it. That's, that's a valuable uh, set of complementary skills. Uh, if someone else can do that for, say, legal um, to go to college, but then also right. learn other other legal practices, right? Not just integration law, but also like right. whatever it may be, you then become one more employable. And also, you know, I think mentally you just feel better about yourself because the more you know, maybe this is just my perspective, the more I learn and the more comfortable I become in my own mind. And I, I, I realized that once I reach a certain point, I started to walk a little bit different because I could, I could go sit with the marketing team and have a holistic conversation. 100%. Um, I can sit with engineering. I can sit with the CEO. And the biggest thing is to, to, to developing this dynamic range, I would say, is that you become a more empathetic person as a result, which people love, by the way. People like to feel like they're heard and empathized. So mm -hmm. you become an empathetic person as a result of not having your own preconceived notion about what it is that the other person is going through. You end up actually understanding what it is that they're going through because you've put yourself in their shoes. You know what I mean? I think it's a, it's a great point. If, we be, if you become a chameleon, right, you can live in these different rooms and, and, have a, and understand, right, and, and have a voice in all these different rooms. That is that's such, a, it's such a powerful skill set to have you can never not have enough of those right i mean you could you could keep you, you could live in all these different rooms and, and i think you you almost have to because all the tools we spoke about right all the different skill sets they're always going to be changing too right not changing but going up a level right mature they're going to be maturing in, in the products that come out and the new stuff i mean we see it with you know artificial intelligence now is sort of taking this leap and, and sort of big data and, and analytics are, are becoming sort of this this foundational thing that live, you know, on top of companies, right? That run companies. And it's uh, those skill sets are now going to be in demand 
just as much as these other ones. So if you could stack your understanding of what, you know, AI is or, or even just how blockchain works, right? And, and have still the UX and the design skills and maybe some sales skills and communication skills. Like, you know, you're just a five-tool player, right? And it's just uh, the, the greatest part about it is that the assets and outlets to learn these things are available to us all. Right. I mean, obviously, if you, if you live in a, a village in Rwanda, right, and you don't have great Internet, right, that's a different thing and different topic. But for most of us in, in North America and a lot of parts of Europe and other parts around the world, excuses are not a lot out there, man. You know, not a lot of excuses anymore. Yeah, exactly. I'd like to piggyback one last one last thing before I forget. I want to make sure that this is clear. I'm in no way advocating that, you know, someone should go and build a ton of a ton of skill sets right and then that's going to make you successful that worked for me but it worked for me because i'm curious like if if you think about like um the book mastery by robert green uh, he talks about he talks about um charles darwin and um da vinci you know da vinci was a maniac he knew just about everything about anything or the other way around, anything about everything. And then you have, you know, Darwin, Darwin, he specialized in like coral, like he, he just studied coral for like years, maybe 10 years, 14 years or something like that. I would lose my mind. But look at the (laughs) impact that both of those figures made in society, you know, right. So there's a lot to be said about that dichotomy between the two. I think you can you can be happy and successful doing both, whether it's like mastery and specializing or right. mastery and spreading yourself out. Uh, it's, a, it's a unique conversation to have. I just lean more towards like the learn as much as I can because I have an allergic allergy to idle time. <laughs> and it just, it just opens opportunity, man. It gives, it gives, us, it gives you just a better, a better uh, chance at, at success, whatever that means to, to you as an individual. You know, having having skill sets, it just just adds to the opportunities that you could have in life. But I appreciate you taking the time, man, so much. I know you're busy and you have a lot in your plate. And it's always again, I always uh, really appreciate people taking time out of their life to to do this, man. And, and, you know, give people knowledge and and understanding about a subject matter, because uh, it's important, man. It's something we can do. Our time and knowledge to give back is uh, sometimes it could be it could be more beneficial than money. You know, so uh, I appreciate you taking the time and and best of luck the rest of this year and, and best of luck for the future. Hey, likewise, man. I appreciate you. Always a pleasure.